We are continuing in our Spirit-led series, and uh, it's funny, I don't think you can do a Spirit-led series without uh, having the Spirit mess up things, put a cog in things, uh, and uh, yeah, it would be, it'd be really weird to have everything all mapped out and structured, even in preaching, um, in a Spirit-led series. Um, and so, in good form, and that's been happening, uh, Pastor Magyal, Uriel, myself, you know, there are times where we've been like in the, like right before the weekend, oh man, let's change the passage, <laughs> or, you know, or different things like, oh, the worship leader isn't going to show up, like, let's shift, let's pivot. Um, that happened this weekend, Bob wasn't scheduled to lead worship, but... He stepped in, and so uh, we, we adjust, we flow, and, and a lot of that adjusting and flexibility um, is a result of being willing to go with the Spirit, to flow with the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit. Um, part of being led by the Spirit also is to plan <laughs> and, and to structure things, and so all of the SJs out there or like the order, I don't know what Enneagram it is, are out like, yes, it's a spiritual thing to be organized as well. It's not just, the Holy Spirit doesn't just mean not spontaneity, right? <laughs> That's all right. Um, uh, the Spirit moves within structure and boundary and line, so I want to, you know, not marginalize anyone <laughs> or marginalize one personality or way. Uh, but for me, no, just kidding. Um, but one of the things that's been pressing on me is testimony, um, the art of the testimony. Uh, Pastor Udio, when he spoke, um, gave testimony. Pastor Magdiel, when he spoke about the Spirit, gave testimony. And I think story and narrative and witness testimony, sharing our personal lives, is a good way to see how the spirit is moved, right? It's not a point A, point B, point C, but it's God's hand and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life that kind of, when we take that into account, when we see the whole of that in story form, in testimony form, we recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's, we say, oh, that person was led by the Spirit. Oh, that church was led by the Spirit when that happened, when they made that decision, and this happened, and that happened. That was the Spirit at work. And we recognize those things oftentimes through story. And so, you know, God has been, the Spirit has been impressing on me to share um, in testimonial style t today, this morning. Um, one of my fondest and earliest memories of growing up and my father, who's also a pastor, is waking up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., to see him kneeling by my bed praying for me, right? There's no, it's not like trying, trying to have me see him doing it because I was clearly asleep and part of his love language or his kind of duty or obligation as a father and to bring me up in God uh, was to pray for me. And, you know, I know the things that he might have been praying for me 
I pray that my son will follow in my footsteps and be a preacher, a pastor. (laughs) And all my life I was like, no, no, no. But sometimes I'd wake up and I I wouldn't show that I was awake. I'd just, you know, have my eyes closed, but I was listening to him, um, just praying for protection, praying for strength, that I would grow in the knowledge of the Lord, that I would grow in wisdom and grow in, in the Bible and uh, grow in my gifts and personality and that I would always follow Jesus and for all the days of my life and, and then stuff in Korean I didn't under, quite understand, but I was just on and on and I knew that my father loved me. And one of the stories that he also uh, used to tell us, tell me, I was actually born a twin. My twins died in infancy, but his name was Jonathan. So the two of us were David and Jonathan, you know, the two friends in scripture. And um, he tells, uh, he told me later in life how he was really depressed when Jonathan passed and uh, just, you know, beside himself and, you know, driving around. At that time, we were in Honolulu, Hawaii, driving around, crying, weeping, mourning, and came to a church and, you know, sat on the steps of the church and began to pray. And what he prayed was kind of like the prayer of Hannah, if you, uh, Hannah for Samuel, like, if you save my child David, my other son, I will dedicate his life to you. Well, I wasn't there. I wasn't giving permission for that, but my dad was offering me up to God, right? I'll dedicate him to you. Please, God, may he be healthy. May he grow up um, and outlive me. And he tells me that. And what that presses, what, you know, in my heart is how much, um, how much my life and the direction of my life isn't just my own, isn't just a result of my own volition or my own choices, my own strength or power. But there's a lot of people in all of our lives who invested in us, who prayed for us, who raised us up, who fed us, who taught us, um, that helped us to come up in the Lord. And in my father's prayer, he was praying the Holy Spirit's covering in my life that I would live a spirit-led life, that when I look back on my life, I see the narrative of God, of God raising me up, of God shaping me, um, mentoring me, of God forming me, of God healing me. And I can see and I'm thankful for all the places where God intervened, people, God used people to intervene, the Holy Spirit intervened, Um, to protect me, to guide me, or to heal me in the places that I was broken. And I'm grateful I stand in this place right now as a pastor, not because I, you know, that was what I wanted to do from age two on, but because the Spirit was leading me and because of the prayer prayers of my parents in my life. Amen? And oftentimes, it's actually a good discipline to take stock, right? Take some time to journal and think about what are the places, how has the hand of God's Spirit been in my life? 
at key moments? What is your testimony, right? If you have forgotten or don't feel God's presence in your life right now, just look back. Look back and be like, oh, the Spirit was at work right there. The Spirit was leading me. God was leading me. God was guiding me. People were praying for me. He rescued me. He saved me. Um, take stock and you'll be, I guarantee you'll probably be worship, on your knees worshiping at the end of that time, of worshiping in some way, giving thanks. And I give thanks that I'm standing here um, preaching, pastoring, um, because that's definitely the Holy Spirit uh, in our life. And so we're talking about the spirit-led um, identity, the spirit-led life, um, being spirit-led. And I, we can't talk about that without recognizing that Jesus Christ was spirit-led, was filled by the Holy Spirit, and his ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in the church, we all recognize, right, we believe in the Trinity, right, the three-in-one, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes we marginalize the Holy Spirit. How, much, how, how often do we pray to the Holy Spirit? How often uh, do we recognize the Holy Spirit in our communities? Um, oftentimes we kind of put that third uh, party of, or the third God piece of the Trinity um, to the side. Um, but when you look at Jesus' life, you'll see um, that he was spirit-led. Um, for instance, Luke chapter 1 in the birth narratives, you'll see a lot. And I mentioned this before, uh, that the gospel of Luke is oftentimes the gospel of the Holy Spirit along with Acts, Luke-Acts. Um, but if you remember, when Jesus' birth is foretold, the angels come and the angel says, uh, to Mary that you're going to give birth to a son um, and he will be um, the favored one. Rejoice in God. And Mary says to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't had sexual relationships with a man? Like, impossible! And what does the angel reply? In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. The Holy Spirit will come over you, will overshadow you. And once again, I've made reference to this, but the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of creation, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. And it's the Spirit that's present as God initiates creation, right? Initiates order in creation. And here too, the angels promise to, um, to uh, Mary as she's confronting the impossibility of conceiving, um, says with God, everything's possible. The spirit will overshadow you. And God's creative empowerment will allow you to give birth to this amazing Son of God. And again, we see in uh, Luke, I'm still rolling in the beginning of Luke, 
uh, in Luke chapter 2, if you remember, Jesus is born, um, and in uh, verse 25 and 26, you see Simeon, right? Simeon's response to Jesus. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel. And what does it say in verse 25? The Holy Spirit rested on him, rested on Simeon. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. And he meets Jesus. His parents meets Jesus and takes Jesus into his arms and gives praise to God and says, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people. All of this you see that the Holy Spirit behind the scenes is guiding and driving and leading and impressing and resting on on people, overshadowing people. And behind the narrative, right, it's a... The Holy Spirit is behind the narrative of the gospel of the salvation, God's promise of salvation coming to the people, right? The, the empower, the actor. And then further down in chapter 2 of Luke, uh, Mary and Joseph completed everything required of the law when they bring Jesus um, to their hometown in Nazareth. And verse 40, the child grew up became strong, was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. There's also this sense in Jesus' childhood as he's growing up, um, that he's growing up in the Lord, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom, growing in favor with God, growing in uh, becoming strong and growing up. Later at the bottom of that passage, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them, and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart because they had found him in the temple. They'd lost him. They found him in the temple teaching all the rabbis there, and they were amazed. Everyone was amazed by his teaching and his wisdom um, at his young age. And again, Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor and favor with God and with the people. And there's a sense that when the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit is helping Jesus to grow and grow in wisdom and grow in knowledge and grow in grace and favor with people and with God. Jesus is exhibiting um, fruits of the Spirit as he's growing up. And then finally, uh, just as another example, uh, actually two more, Jesus' baptism in chapter 3, um, verse 22, we remember John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and while he was praying, he- the heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and there was a voice from heaven, you are my son, whom I dearly love, and you I find happiness. Jesus is covered in the spirit at his baptism. 
Um, and then finally, in chapter four, remember, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit, but led is too soft of a word. It says the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, right? So the sense that being led by the Spirit is not just like, come on, come on. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, you go, right? And you need to go to a place that you don't want to go. That's hard. You're going to fast for 40 days and then you're going to be tempted in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit drives Jesus to the wilderness. He faces a very difficult situation but comes out of it um, emboldened, empowered, and immediately after he comes out of his temptation, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, right? He's empowered by the Spirit. And what does he do? He goes to the temple, and that's where he unrolls the scroll. And, you know, that's our Zeraverse from, if you were listening last week to the sermon, um, Luke 4, he, par- he reads from Luke, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare freedom for the captives. Basically inaugurating his ministry. I'm starting now and I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't dismiss the presence of the Holy Spirit leading Jesus, driving Jesus, overshadowing Jesus, empowering Jesus upon Simeon, guiding Simeon, encouraging Mary, doing the impossible in the body, right? Mary, finally, like, we think, oh, creating a human creature, male and female, that's like the culmination of what two human beings can create together. Mary proved, I don't need a man to do this, right? And that is true. That's a joke, right? That's through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. With God, all things are possible, Um, I ended up going to undergrad at Whitman College in Walla Walla. All my friends went to UW. I wanted to be different, wear Birkenstocks and uh, have hairy legs, but I never was able to grow hair on my legs. Um, But uh, um, what I realized in college that I didn't quite have enough self-realization or I wasn't in the right environment to recognize was how broken and hurt I was, right? How broken and hurt I was. I'm grateful for my family. We all may be grateful for our family. We may have different family uh, backgrounds and situations, some really healthy, good, strong families, some really broken or maybe even abandoned by our families or we ran away from our families. I think I was quietly running away from my family Um, through going to college um, and running away from my faith a little bit. Um, But I did join a Christian fellowship um, in college and uh, but it was then that I recognized kind of some of the brokenness in me um, because I think God's what started to come up in me they often call Whitman white man college because there's not there wasn't a lot of diversity uh, back then, and that st- started to come to a head for me. And um, I would be in the middle of our large group worship times, 
and just like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I'd just be mad and pissed, right? And I'd run out. Or in the middle of a Bible study, again, mad and angry, and I'd run out. And looking back, it's like, what are the ways that I find myself isolated from community or on the outside of community or they don't quite understand me or they're speaking in a language that I don't understand, I can't navigate completely or I feel different. Um, And maybe some of the moving around a lot as a kid, not really fitting in or being rooted was a part of that, like always on the run, never wanting to be in. Um, but also hoping there'd be one person um, who chased me down, right? But I'm going to throw every obstacle I can in their way, right? Usually it was someone of the opposite sex, like, chase me down and let me throw everything at you. If you're still there, okay, let's date. (laughs) um, uh, But um, one day when I was running and you know, off away from community across Ankeny Field, which is at Whitman at night. I was running, I was running, I was running, and I ran, and boom, on the ground was just this crow's wing, like broken off, just crow, no crow, just the wing. On the ground, and oh, a, a crow's wing, like how did that happen? And uh, later on, in a prayer time, as you know, I was talking with someone and we were praying about it, I relayed this crow's wing and the word that was spoken to me is like, as long as you isolate yourself like this, as long as you separate yourself from community, your family, fa- God's family, you're, you're going to be grounded, right? You're going to be a dead wing on the ground. But I want you to have intimacy, I want you to have relationship, I want you to have community, and you will fly. So I was like, oh, that's deep. So that's always stuck in my mind. It's always stuck in my heart that it is my tendency to break away and feel like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, like nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm running away, right? I'm apart, I'm isolating myself from that, and to be mad, standing outside of the community, being angry, right? And criticizing and being like, they don't do this, they don't do this, they don't do this, they don't love me. Maybe some of us have been in that place. Um, But I see the ways that God has been, has put people in my life, and the spirit, uh, healing spirit of the Holy Spirit has been in my life continuing to impress upon me God's love for me, how to trust people, how to trust God's community, and, and lead me away from running away to being the type of person that invites, right? That creates hospitable, safe places for people to come. Now that's a transformation, amen? Like, to be the one that's chasing down those who are running and bringing into safe spaces than to be the one who's running away angry. And I see that's just an example of God's work in my heart. So when we go to our passage, Romans 12, or Romans 8, 12 through 17, Paul is talking about... Um, 
two different spirits, right? The spirit living under the living our lives under the spirit of selfishness in the NIV. That's the CEB in the in the uh, in the NIV. It's the of the flesh, living according to the flesh, or living led by the spirit of God, being God's spirit. And one leads to death, and one leads to life. Right, living under the spirit of the flesh, by the flesh leads to death, and living by, led by the Spirit of God, in the Spirit of God, leads to life. Um, so then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Now that we are children of God, now we are followers of Jesus, now we are here listening to these words, we have an obligation. And not an obligation to ourselves, to live our lives on the basis of selfishness or live our lives on the basis of the flesh. And then he goes on, if you live on the basis of selfishness, you're going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters, are children of God. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you're adopted as his children. With the spirit we cry, Abba, Father, which is a very intimate word for Father, right? Daddy! I think Jesus prayed this in the garden, right? Abba, Father, Dad. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children, But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. Every time I read Paul, sometimes it gets confusing to me because there's a lot of repetition and going in circles, it seems like. So I like to simplify things, right? Like, what is he saying, right? And uh, one thing um, that is helpful is when Paul talks about the flesh. So in the NIV, it's flesh versus spirit, flesh versus spirit. And when you hear that, you're like, oh, is it the body versus, you know, spiritual things? What is Paul talking about? Didn't, right before this series, the spirit-led series, didn't we have an embodied series? I thought the body was good. Christ was in body form. Isn't that good? So, but now Paul is like, the body is bad, the body is sin, the flesh is bad, and it's the spiritual things. No, it's not this dichotomy of soul versus um, body. But the key to understanding what Paul means by flesh, the word being sark in Greek, um, we need to know that distinction between sarks and soma, right? Sarks and soma. Soma being our physical body and, and sark being the flesh. And when Paul uses sarks for flesh, um, the issue is how the body is used. So the soma, the physical body, is simply, is not, is neutral, right? It's neither good or bad, right? God gave us our bodies, but how we orient our bodies, Right? How we use our bodies. If we use our bodies inappropriately, then we are being led by the flesh. Does that make sense? 
So that's Paul's kind of shortcut expression for a, uh, a body that's being misused. If you misuse your body, your soma, then you're living in the flesh. Um, so to live inappropriately is called living according to the flesh. Um, and so that's why you'll see if you live according to flesh, then your soma, will, your body will die, right? You see those two um, earlier in chapter 8. Um, but in the CEB, they've just replaced flesh with self-centered, right? Selfishness. And so we'll take that, like, basically to misuse your body is to be like a vampire, right? Cons like you're focused on consuming for the sake of feeding your flesh. You're just a, cons a flesh consumer, right? So your desires, your needs, your wants, right? Your, your everything is for consumption, for just feeding your, your body, your flesh. That starts, right? That's an in inappropriate use of body, right? Living in the flesh is to be selfish, right? We know in a healthy relationship, it's a give and take, right? We give love, we receive love. In a codependent relationship or unhealthy, we're just trying to, that's why I say vampire, right? Vampire love. We're just trying to suck something out of the other person until they're a dry prune, and then we cast them aside until we can find some more blood to suck on, right? Like, that's like a crude way to put it, but that's what it means to live in the selfishness and self-centeredness of the flesh. Are you with me, church? Does that make sense? So that's what Paul is setting against each other, not body and spirit, but kind of this inappropriate use of the body or living in the flesh, selfishness versus being led by the spirit and living in the spirit. And basically what he's saying is, how do we recognize someone who's a son and daughter of Christ? But by how they are led by the Holy Spirit, right? Just as we see in Jesus' growth, right, in his ministry, he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's led by the Holy Spirit, so too we who are Jesus followers, who are of God, are led by the Spirit, are covered by the Spirit, are overshadowed by the Spirit. We have prayers, right? The Holy Spirit groaning on our behalf in words that we don't even know for our sake. There's something that goes before us, that goes behind us to our left and to our right. That's how you know the children of God and this is our inheritance. That's the good news. That's the amazing thing is it's part of being an heir of God, right? And an inheritance, it's not something we earned, right? It's not a paycheck, right? A paycheck is something I work for, you owe me, give it to me. And an inheritance is just by my sheer, I am the child of, by my identity in and of itself innately, I get this gift, right, this inheritance. I get this treasure because of who I am and whose I am, who I am and who I belong to, just by that. And that's, that's the beauty of this, 
right? You're no longer the older son and the prodigal son destined to be a servant, right? All my life I have worked for you, Father. And you, yeah, right? And no, 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 you've got it wrong. We're family. Everything I have is yours, right? You don't have to work for anything. Like, this is, this is my gift to you. And even when you weren't working, I was at work. Isn't that good news? Even when I was running from God, ah, God was working in me and healing my heart. I, that's so amazing, and it's such a promise. I wish I had read the whole chapter, because verse 1 of Romans 8 is... Maybe some of you all's favorite verse, right? So now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin of death. Now, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, because of what God has done, because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, you are not condemned. There's no more condemnation. You are free. Just receive it. Live into your identity. Receive it. Live into your identity. All who are led by the Holy Spirit are sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. My daughter, my kids, I mean, they ask so freely of me. Dad, can I have food? Dad, will you buy me this? Mom, will you buy me this? Um, and I admire their freedom. Like, I admire the willingness to ask. Because when I was a kid, I always felt this burden, like, we're poor, we're poor. Like, I don't want to be a burden, right? And it's not like we're rich now, but... I just felt that as a kid. So I'd be like, can I have more food, please? <laughs> It'd be like, just a grain of rice would be okay. Like, I'd just lay low and like, walk like a mouse in the house. I don't know why. But that, but that freedom, like, once again, I'm not a servant, right? I'm not a boarder in this house, but I'm, a ch I'm your child. And that means I roam freely, in the hallways, I run and yell about, and I ask my father for anything. And that's the image here, like, you are children, children of God. Of course, be free. I will do things for you. I will give to you. I will provide for you. And I am working in you, healing you. I have been working in you to heal, to, to heal you. Are you with me, church? Uh, the end of living the vampire self-centered life is that we all end up as prunes, right? Dried up and sucked out with nothing left because nothing else 
is going to satisfy you. You're just going to look for more and more and more and more and there, until there's nothing left, right? That's what Paul is saying. The spirit of selfishness living in the flesh does not, leads to death. But living in the spirit leads to life. And that's what we're about here at Renew, renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. It's that first part. We come here to worship God and to be renewed by his spirit, right? To be renewed in our hearts, to be restored, to have hope again, to receive healing in the community. And because of that, we're filled with life. We're filled with the spirit. We're filled with wisdom, with strength and grace and the favor of people, just as Jesus was. We're not Jesus, but we're filled and empowered and God is developing us into that so we can't help but spill out and be witnesses of life and the spirit of God to other people out there we, and recognize that there are other children sons and daughters of Jesus Christ out there that he's saying, come home. And we're going out and saying, come home and inviting people, inviting people, saying, have a drink, life. Not as consumers, but as people who are just bursting. I just have this, my kids were in a water fight yesterday with hoses and water guns. Just imagine if we all had like 10 hoses in here. Just the just spraying all over. We're just effervescing life. That's us in our neighborhoods and our communities. It's like, we can't help it. God has given me so much grace. It's dumped, right? Grace upon grace upon grace upon me. And we're flowing out. We're like, gosh. That's the church, people. Led by the Spirit. We can't help ourselves because when we're led by the Spirit, we give glory to God. Yes. And spread good to neighbor. Right? The vampire faith is sucking, sucking. Have you ever been to a sucking church? <laughs> Not a church that sucks, but well, a sucking church. Right? It's all about drama and like who this and who that, privilege this and privilege that. We're all consumer. But when we're led by the Spirit, when the Spirit leads, God is glorified in our lives. Amen? And healing happens, renewal happens, restoration happens, life happens. I think laughter happens. Right? Fun happens. That should be at church, right? I want to have fun at church because I want to I be a pastor for a long, long time. If I'm not having fun, what am I doing? Let's have fun. Let's exhibit life because the world needs life. And as Christians, we have the secret sauce of life. And if we're bringing bad news and being like, don't do this, don't do that, instead of, whoa, let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done for me. Let me tell you. Good. It's so good. 
It's contagious, right? I want to be a part of a church. I want Renew to be that contagious, right? Because we're spewing out the Holy Spirit. I'm getting excited. I should look at the time. God is good all the time. God is good. Let us be led by the Spirit, and the fruits will be exhibited um, out of that. You can read Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, um, however you want to look at what, what it means to be imbued and bide with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just an expression of God's fruit, the fruit of God through us, right? That's what's going to happen. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And your spirit is the real-time power in your world today. It's the power of your renewal at work in creation, your restoration of communities, your breaking of the chains, your healing of the sick and the blind, that is still happening in the world and your desire to make all things good under you. Um, the Holy Spirit is the strategist, the power source, the mover, the initiator, the one who speaks into our lives, the one who's in the community of faith, helping us to interpret your word. Um, Please um, help us to be led by you. Help us to receive your spirit and continue to grow in wisdom and strength and favor. Um, just grow in wholeness through your spirit. In Jesus' name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.